Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're joining us online, we're grateful to have you, and our hope and prayer is that this become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. I want to let you know about a couple things that are happening this week. First, we have uh, something called Next Steps. That's happening tonight. Uh, Next Steps is an opportunity, if you haven't been before, uh, to come uh, meet some of us staff and pastors and uh, find out a little bit more about the church, but, but primarily to help you figure out, man, how do you build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus here at Front Range? And we'll give you opportunities to do that, tell you a little bit about um, uh, how you do that and, and how we um, uh, try to help you on your spiritual journey and in your relationships and all of that. Uh, we provide uh, child care and uh, dinner. So if you can, try to pre-register. If you can't, just show up. But if you can, pre-register. You can do that by scanning the QR code, go to the app, or just go to the website, frontrange.org, go under events, and you can find it there. Um, and uh, there's no reason not to come tonight, right? Like, there's no good football on. I think it's like the Jets or something. Like, nobody cares about the Jets, you know. So, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, we're good. So if, you, uh, if you're interested, man, show up, and we'd love to uh, get you better connected here at Front Range. The second thing I want to let you know about is Saturday is uh, something our town does called the Starlighting. If you've never been, it is awesome. It is a great event. Thousands and thousands of people will come out. Uh, for an extrovert, it's amazing. For an introvert, you want to cry. Um, but we open up what we call our ministry center, which is where our office is, and we do our student ministry, and uh, we do classes and groups and all of that there. We open it up. Uh, we provide free coffee, free hot chocolate. There'll be thousands of people that come through there because we also provide bathrooms. And if you've been to Starlighting, you know that's a premium. Um, yeah, one person's clapping for it. Um, and so uh, what we're looking for is people who want to be a part of helping um, create an atmosphere and, uh, and just serve people. So you can scan the QR code. You can go to the app. Uh, you can uh, go to our website, or you can just write down on your Connect card, Starlighting, and we'll get you more information. You can choose what times you want to serve and all of that, uh, but it's a great way for us to serve our town and to care for uh, the people of our town. Uh, today, we are, uh, we're, we're finishing up our uh, resource initiative called For the Church, For the City. Uh, we're, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise enough money to be able to get into our permanent home. Uh, as a church, we've been in existence for nine years, and we've met in nine different locations. Uh, not really a recipe for growth and success, but God has been very faithful, and, uh, and we've been able to purchase land. They've started all uh, moving a bunch of dirt. If you know where it is, you've dri if you've driven by recently, man, it looks crazy. Uh, so uh, they're, they're uh, hard working on that, uh, but to be able to move in, uh, we need to be able to raise uh, enough money. So uh, we're trying to raise $4 million. We launched this last year. We're doing a re-up right now because out of the $4 million, we had 3.8 in commitments. But we also know some of those people have moved away. So we're trying to bridge the gap by um, getting another 500 in commitments, 500000 in commitments. Um, so we, uh, this is the last day to be able to do that. We're going to announce in a couple weeks uh, what our number was and, and all of that and celebrate together uh, as a church. Uh, but I just want to say thank you. Uh, for some of you, you committed last year, and you're like, man, this is all I can do. I'm just going to keep giving what I commit. I just want to say thank you. Uh, your commitment and your generosity humbles me uh, as your pastor. Uh, for some people, you've seen God bless you over the last year, and 
Uh, my wife and I, we said, hey, God's blessed us. How do we give more? And so we've increased our commitment. Some of you have done that. Uh, and others of you, you, uh, you weren't here last year. Our church has grown pretty significantly in the last year. And so many of you weren't here a year ago to be a part of this. And so many new people have signed up to be a part of uh, For the Church, For the City. And I just want to say thank you. I will say, though, we're not there yet. Uh, out of all the commitments uh, that have been coming in, we're not at, at the goal. Um, so I just want you to pray about what maybe God has for you. And ultimately, if you know me, you know my heart is not about um, a, a building. Um, that, I've never been about a building. I'm about life change and seeing people come to Christ and their lives be forever changed. I'm about seeing people like John. Uh, John was a guy when I first met him. Uh, man, he was, he was struggling. <clears throat> he was going through some major issues in his life, and he pretty much had lost everything uh, at the point that I met him. Uh, he was hopeless. He was suicidal. All of his relationships were, were gone, uh, and he didn't know what to do. And one of you had built a relationship with him, and so when he had nowhere else to turn, he turned to this individual, uh, and this person invited him to church. He came to church, and that first weekend, he gave his life to Christ. And I got to meet with, yeah, I think it's awesome. I, I got to meet with John a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, man, how's life? This is like three or four years removed now from, from that first introduction. I said, man, how's life going? And it was just amazing like, to watch him light up. And he's like glowing now. He's like, man, all my relationships, like God has restored things in my life. And, and, it, and it, God didn't necessarily answer the prayers of those relationships the way that maybe he wanted initially. But all of those relationships have been restored and God has reconciled things. And uh, he feels like he finally has purpose now and he's living that out. And it's like to see a guy go from suicidal to now having so much hope and living his life on purpose. John at that point would have been classified at best an agnostic, hadn't been in church in over 55 years, and now he's living for Christ and doing great things uh, in the name of Jesus. And uh, church, that's why we exist. It's for that story and so many others. And that's why we, we know if we get a permanent home, once we enter into it, there's going to be more of those stories. There's going to be more of those individuals that come through the doors that, uh, that need hope and need Christ. And so I just want to say thank you. And I know that when it comes to giving, people give out of two reasons. They give out of logic or emotion. Uh, and, and I could stand up here all day and I could talk to you about the logical side and try to convince you um, uh, intellectually why we need this. Uh, I could also tell you a lot more stories like John's story uh, to get you emotionally charged. But I don't want you to get, give out of logic or emotion. I want you to give based on what God tells you. And so as we dive into the message today, I'm just going to ask you to pray um, uh, there's a, a commitment card on your seat. If God tells you to do something, write it down. We'll have a time for this later uh, during our, our response time. Uh, but just pray. Hey, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be a part of this? Uh, I, I met a, a, a kid, a student, uh, last service, and, uh, and he had a For the Church, For the City booklet. Like, he's praying about, like, what he's going to do. And it's his first time at church. I'm like, Man, that's it. Like, if we can just have that faith and just say, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to be a part? So let me pray. Father, we come before you. Uh, thank you so much for the blessings you've given us. And God, what you've done in our lives. I thank you for the story like John and so many others, God, who um, have had their lives radically transformed here at Front Range. And we know there's many more to come. So we ask, Father, that you would bridge this gap. Father, you would help us to get into this permanent home. Uh, God, we leave it in your hands, and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have you ever wanted something so bad, and you thought, if I could just get this thing, then I'll have happiness, 
or I'll have exactly what I want. Maybe it was like, maybe it was a relationship or maybe it was a, a toy of some sort. Maybe it was a house or a job. You thought if I could just get that, then I'll get what I long for, what I want. I think all of us have been there. I remember before I accepted Christ, um, my, my, my life, uh, I was not a happy person. I was actually really, really angry. Um, we tried to get in fights a lot and all of that. I just wasn't happy in my life. And so uh, I, I thought, man, if I would just have a lot of friends, then I would have happiness. Or, or if I would just get drunk on a nightly basis, then, you know, maybe the pain would, would be numb. Or if I just did drugs or whatever. And like saying those things out loud, like you're like, man, that seemed kind of ridiculous that I thought that. But it's just where I was at. Like I just thought if I could just get this, then maybe I'll have what I actually long for, even after I accepted Christ. I remember one of the first prayers that I prayed was, God, let me start dating this girl. Let her be my girlfriend. And then when I started dating that girl, I was like, oh, no, this isn't it uh, at all. Uh, you know, and so I think all of us, like, we desire certain things in our lives and desiring things like happiness and, and, and success and wealth and, and health and popularity or whatever. I wouldn't say those things are bad. The question is, how do we try to achieve those things? Like, how do we try to get the happiness, and how do we try to get the wealth, and how do we try to get health, and how do we try to get these things? How does that impact us, and how does that impact the relationships around us? That's what we're going to look at today. Uh, we're in a series right now studying the book of James. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's one of the earliest written books of the New Testament, uh, and James was the half-brother of Jesus. So if your brother was God, uh, then, uh, then I would trust you. Um, if you saw your brother raised from the dead, I'd be like, okay, what have you said? I get it. He wrote this book for the Christians spread out everywhere. So he wrote it for the Christians not only then, but for us today. And today he's addressing how do we get what we long for? Uh, how do you and I choose to, 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 to uh, achieve something in our lives? And he's looking at this idea of humility. And his main thought, the whole chapter is about humility. And he's talking to us about how we as followers of Christ, if we're serious about our faith, then humility will be at the center of everything that we do. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. It'll be up on the screen. If you need a Bible, we'd love to get you one. Uh, the generosity of people in this church allows us to be able to just give away Bibles. So if you need one, go to our Connections tent, the blue tent, and just say, hey, I need a Bible. We don't need your name, your money, nothing. Uh, we just want to make sure everybody has God's word. So James chapter 4, let's jump in. Verse 1, it says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. James has given this description, really, of, of the paradox of sin. He says, you're always seeking, but you're never finding. You're always desiring, but you're never fulfilled. And he says, what causes the fights and the quarrels among you? Now, what's interesting here is that James is talking to the church. He's not talking about people outside of the church. Like for you and I, if we look at like the world around us, we say, man, there's a lot of people fighting today, right? Like people fight all the time. What are they fighting for? Whatever they want. So it's like this side fights against this side and this group fights against this group. What are they fighting for? Something that they want. Each group wants something. And so they're fighting for that very thing. But James isn't talking about the world. He's like, leave the world alone for a moment. What I want you to do is I want you to look inside the church. What causes the fights amongst you? What causes the quarrels amongst believers, amongst people who say they're followers of Jesus? It's pride. It's pride that causes those fights. It's pride that causes those issues. He says you can fight, 
You can murder, you can steal, but you don't have for one simple reason. Look at verse 2, the end of it. You do not have because you do not ask God. He says you can fight, and you can steal, and you can covet, you can kill, but you don't have simply because you don't ask God. Like our, our tendency is to fight first, to steal first, to get what is ours. That's natural. We've been taught to look after number one. Right? There's even bad theology in the church that, that teaches this. There's some churches that teach this idea that God only helps those who what? Help themselves. That's not biblical. God's like, yo, I'm not helping those who help themselves. I'm helping those who can't, who are coming to me and saying, hey, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I need you. God, you're the supplier of all things. You're the creator of all things. You know better than me what I need. So, God, I need you to show up. It's us asking. He's promised to supply all of our needs, Philippians 4, 19. But our lives are devoid of the very things that he wants us to have because we don't ask. I'm going to say that again because some of us, we came here today just to hear this one point, that our lives are devoid of the very things that God wants us to have simply because we do not ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, well, Ernest, I've asked, and I didn't get. There may even be some of you right now that you're like, I haven't been to church in quite a long time because, because I did ask for God to do something at one point, and he didn't do it. So, Ernest, how, how do you reconcile that? Well, James addresses this. Look at verse 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Throughout the book, James is telling us how to live as followers of Christ. And here he's saying that the focus of Christian living and the motive of prayer is the same thing. So the focus of your Christian living and the motive of prayer should be the same thing. And that's what should be God's will. You don't have because you're asking out of wrong intentions. You're asking out of your own desires. But our number one desire should be to seek after God's desires for us, what God wants for us. Now, I got I to admit to you that there's many times in my prayer life and in the way that I navigate life that, that what I want is more important than what God wants. Like, it's way easier for me to fall into a place where it's like, yeah, but what do I want? I get, I get the, like, God's will thing and all of that, but, like, what does Ernest want? And there's been many times when my prayer life has been based on what I want, what my motives are, not based on what God wants, what God desires for me. James continues and addresses the very thing that holds us back from pursuing God's will, and that is pride, the thing that causes dissension, the thing that causes quarrels, the thing that causes fights is also the thing that holds us back from pursuing after God's will for our lives. So he tells us how to not let pride control you. How do you not live based on your own pride. Look at verse 4. He says, you adulterous people. That's not really a good way to start off, okay? Like if somebody texts you and is like, yo, you adulterous dude, you'd be like, okay, that's, that's kind of awkward. James is like, man, I'm just going to hit it hard. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Oh, that's strong. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. These aren't words that we like to hear 
It says, or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Man, James is hitting hard. He's like, he's not trying to tickle your ears and be like, oh man, we love James. He's like, I don't care if you love me or not. Here's the reality. In verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. I love that last verse. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If pride is what causes dissension and rebellion and coveting and murder and all of that, then the antidote, the answer, is humility. So how do we achieve humility? James not only says that we're to be humble, but he very kindly gives us four steps to being humble. He very kindly then says, hey, here's four ways for you and I to be humble in our lives. And then as icing on the cake, he says, and here's three promises. That if you do these four things, here's three promises that God will do for you or that will happen in your life. The first way to be humble, the first step that James says you must take is to submit to God. Submit to God. Look at verse 5. He says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? James is saying that God is a jealous God. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, we see the Ten Commandments. And one of those Ten Commandments says, You shall have no other gods. And then he says what? For I am a jealous God. Now that term jealous has this negative connotation, but what God is saying is, I want you. Like, I want you all to myself. God's saying you can't have dual allegiances. You can't say that you love God and you love Jesus and you make him number one, but this person is also number one, or seeking this job is also number one, or having this wealth is also number one. You can't do both. God says you can't have dual allegiances. He even says right before that, we read it earlier, that if you're a friend with the world, then you're an enemy to God. You can't have God as number one and anything else as number one. It's just impossible. God says, I'm jealous. I want you. I created you. I died for you. I know what's best for you. I want you. He's a jealous God. So the first step in humility is you've got to submit to him. It's not saying, okay, God, I, I, I love you and I, just like I love tacos, you know, and just like I love my dog. No, it's God, I love you above everything. Above everything in my life, God, I want you. How do you submit yourself to God? Well, very simply, like the first step is acknowledging that you're a sinner. Acknowledging that you're a sinner and that our sin separates us from God. But God loved you and I so much. He's this jealous God that longs for a relationship with you and I so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay a penalty that we owed. To pay a penalty that we owed. Jesus died on the cross. He paid that penalty, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later to show his power over sin and over death, to give you and I the opportunity of new life, to give you an opportunity, you and I, an opportunity of salvation, to give you and I an opportunity to know God and to know how much he loves us and to be with him. 
But humility starts with submitting to him. It's saying, God, I'm going to give you my life. I'm not just going to say I believe in God. I'm not going to just say that I believe that, that Christ is who he said he is or that God loves me or whatever. No, no, no. I'm going to actually give my life over to him. God, you are first. You are foremost. If you want humility in your life, you have to submit to God. The second step to being humble is to resist the devil. Resist the devil. Look back at verse 4. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? That word enmity is ekthra in the, in the Greek, and it literally means hated. It's translated to hated. So let's understand that again. Friendship with the world means that you hate God. That's powerful. No one's shouting amen right now. That's a hard, hard truth to fathom. That when you and I are friends with the world, when we seek after what the world tells us to seek after, when we pursue after those things more than we pursue after God being number one in our life, we're not just against God. We're not just an enemy of God. That word says we actually hate God. And no one wants to hate God. I've never met a person in my life that says I want to hate God. So what do we do? We resist the devil. I mean, what does that look like? Look at verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. You resist him. You come up against him. You say, you know what? You're not going to have any power in my life. You're not going to be able to control me no matter what you throw at me, no matter what temptations or hardships. I will resist you. But how do we do that? Well, James goes on and he tells us how we can resist God, how we can resist Satan. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. These are all like really harsh words. What is James doing? He's addressing this, this fact that the Christians back then, and I would say Christians today, we take our sin lightly. He's saying you can't take your sin lightly. Wash your hands. Cleanse your heart. Turn your laughter to mourning, to grieving. And that's deep. That's hard to do. For me, I, I think of sin like, like a porta potty or like a, a, a camping uh, uh, toilet thing. I, I don't know about you, but I don't know of too many people that are like, man, I love porta potties or porca potty, my son used to call it. Like, I don't know too many people that are like, man, those things are amazing, right? I mean, but they're useful. I mean, you have to use them, right? So, like, this one right here is barred by somebody in, in the church, and we appreciate that. But you come in here, you gotta push that thing back, you got some good ventilation in here, you can't really see it. There's like extra holes, so like, you know, let the smell out. Don't worry, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. But you do your business in here, right? And then you, you know, whatever you need to do, and you touch, and then when you come out, how do you respond? You're not like, woo, that was amazing. Man, y'all should go in there. That thing is unbelievable. You really want to try out this porta potty or this, this camping thing. That would be amazing. No, you go in this thing. Right? You do your business, then you come out and you're like, ugh, I need some wet wipes, you know? And, or, or if you're in a porta potty, there's probably a, 
a hand sanitizer thing that's empty because they always are empty. You know what I'm saying? But you try anyways, and then now you just touch that as well, and you got nothing. And so your face, you're like disgusted, right? And you're like looking for somewhere to what? Wash your hands, get clean. It's the same way with sin. When we have sin in our lives, like it should break our hearts because it breaks the heart of God. Like we should look at it and not be like, oh man, that's, that's great. Man, at least it's not as bad as this person's sin. Or, oh man, that was really funny when that person did this as they were sinning or what. Like turn your laughter to mourning like, oh God, wretched man that I am, I am a sinner. And my sin breaks the heart of God. My sin sent Jesus to the cross. It's not something for me to laugh at. It's not something for me to say, oh, it's okay. No, I have to wash my hands. Stop doing this thing. Purify my heart. God, change me. Make me new. Make me whole. Recognize the depravity of my own humanity and how much I deeply, deeply need the grace of God in my life. When you do that, then you can resist the devil. But when you just minimize sin, then the devil just keeps having his way. But if you submit yourself to God, you recognize the, the depth of your sin and recognize how serious it is, then you can resist him. And then that comes with the first promise. Look at verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Risk, resist the devil and he will what? Flee. Okay, four of you saw that. Okay, it's right up here. We're gonna, well, I'm going to read it, and then you're going you're gonna to help me out, right? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee. The devil has a lot of power. We shouldn't minimize his power. Like, ah, he's just like a little red guy with a tail and a pitchfork. Don't minimize his power. He's got a lot of power. But compared to a follower of Jesus, he's weak. Not because of you, not because of me but because of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, because of the power of Christ that dwells in us. He cannot stand against us. You resist him. You don't have to run from him. You don't have to be fearful of him. You don't have to worry about like, what temptations are going to come. or anything. You just be like, no, nope, not standing for this. You resist him. You stand firm and you resist the devil. When you do that, the first promise is he has to flee from you. He has to. He has no other option. He has to run. He's scared of you. Just resist him. Be strong. The third step to being humble is to draw near to God. So you got to submit to God. you got to resist the devil. Then you've got to draw near to God. This is a daily reminder that every day we are to pursue after Christ, to go after Jesus, to develop our relationship with God. The Bible compares our relationship with God to that of a marriage what type of marriage would Sarah and I have if we never talked, if we never spent time with one another, if we never talked about our, our dreams or our fears or what makes us angry, pray for one another? Any, if we didn't do any of that stuff, what kind of marriage would we have? It would be non-existent. So James here is saying that you've got to draw near to him. Like you've got to put your work in. You've got to do your job. Say, okay, God's going to be first in my life. And I'm going to pursue him as such. What does that mean? It means that every day you wake up and you think through, like, man, I, how can I draw near to God today? Like, how can I worship God today? How can I read his word today? 
It means like on Sundays, like you wake up and it's not like, ah, oh, we got to go to church again. But it's like, no, man, I get to go to church. One of the things that grieves my heart, especially over the last few years since COVID, is there's been like a lot of people that I've seen posts on social media about how like, you don't need the church. You don't need church to be a good Christian or anything like that. And what I would say is you don't need the church to have salvation. That is found in Christ and Christ alone. But you do need the church to grow. You do need the church to become the man or woman that God created you to be. You do need the church to spiritually grow in your life. You do need the church to support you and for you to support. You do need the church. And so when we have this attitude of like, ah, it's just church or whatever, then we're not drawing near. God says, draw near to him. And then he gives us this, this promise, the second promise. Verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's powerful. The God of the universe wants to draw near to you. My God's not some far off being in the cosmos somewhere, looking down like, oh, when you guys get down down there, come visit me. God's like, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Like, come close to me and I'll come close to you. Why? Because God's only going to go where he's invited. He's only going to go where he's invited. He's not going to just interject himself into your life and force you to do something. He's going to do everything he can to get your attention. But he wants you to draw near. And as, he, as you do, he will draw near to you. So you want to be humble, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's a promise. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise. And then the final step in being humble is to humble yourself. Humble yourself. Look at verse 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord. A lot of times, when I was growing up, after I accepted Christ, I would be taught, like, hey, you need to pray for humility. And so I would pray for humility. I think that's good. I Pray for humility. Be careful, though. It's like praying for patience. You know, you're going to get stuck in every line, and it's just not going to be fun. But pray for humility. It's great. But here James says, humble yourselves, which means, like, there's action you can take. There's something that you do in this. There's something that you can do as a part of this. Here's the reality, though. You can't do this on your own. You can't humble yourselves on your own. Why? Because we look after us. We look after ourselves. We think, man, I, if I want these things, then I have to work really hard, or I have to do these things in my life to achieve this, or, you know, God only helps those who help themselves, or whatever. But the reality is you can't humble yourself without all these other things that James just mentioned, without submitting yourself to God, without resisting the devil. Without drawing near to him, without doing those things, there's no way you can humble yourself. What does humility look like? It's someone who sees themselves the way that God sees them. You see yourself for the reality of who you are. And for all of us, that is a broken human being. We're all broken. Every one of us. I wish we were perfect. That'd be awesome. But I'm not. I fall all the time. I fail all the time. And you're the same way. How do I know that? Because of the conversations that I have with people. Just the other day, somebody was, we were hanging out with a group of people and somebody said to this woman, they said, hey, you're a really good mom. And she said, I don't, I don't think so. I don't feel that way. 
So there's some area of your life you would say, I'm not that good. Like people may see you in one way or whatever, but you're like, uh, this is not, it's not the reality. Humility says, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm just broken. I'm in need of God's great grace. I'm in need of God's love. I'm in need of what God wants to do in my life. I'm just human. And then he gives us the third promise. When we choose to humble ourselves, he gives us this third promise. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will do it. Like God's economy is so different than ours. Like the way that he runs things is so different, right? Because like in our world to lift yourself up, like it means you've got to go and you've got to achieve, right? Like you've got you to show yourself strong or you've got to be really smart or you've got to achieve certain things or your, your bank account's got to look a certain way or whatever. And if you have those things, then you're lifted up. But God says, no, the only way to be lifted up is to go low, is to humble yourself. To realize, wretched man that I am, I am broken. I am in need of a savior. So submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, wash your hands, purify your hearts. Turn your laughter to mourning, take the seriousness of our sin and draw near to him. Don't retract, don't push away, draw near and he'll draw near to you. When you do those things, you're humbling yourself. When you humble yourself, he, in his perfect timing and in his perfect way, will lift you up. My prayer is that you and I will experience that in some form or fashion this week. As we put these principles into play, as we take these steps, for some of us to submit to God, that's your first step this week. Submit your life over to him. We had four or five people last service that said, man, I want to give my life over to Christ. We had people that got baptized and that was their display of faith saying, I'm submitting my life to God. I mean, for some of us, it's resisting the devil. Maybe there's some area of your life you're like, man, I'm giving into temptation. I'm giving into this thing. God says, man, just stop. Just pure, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Resist the devil and he will flee. I mean, for some of us, it's going, man, I'm not drawing near to God. Like, I don't, do, I don't do well at that. I'm not pursuing after him like I should be. And what can you do this week to draw near? Take a step, draw near. And as you do those things, he will lift you up. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and thank you so much for your word. I thank you for James that he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And he just comes right at us. And God, that's you speaking through him to us. And God, I, I know I need that. I need to be reminded that sin is serious. It's not something to laugh at or to take lightly. But you call us to wash our hands, to purify our hearts, to mourn over our own brokenness and the brokenness of humanity. God, for some of us, our first step that we're to take today in humbling ourselves is to submit to you. Some of us, God, we walked into this place, and if we'd be real honest, we'd say, man, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't feel near to the Lord. I don't feel close to him. Maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks, but you really have no church experience or not much, and you're just kind of far away from God. And I believe that God brought you here today to say, come home. Come home. 
What does that mean? It means recognizing that you're a sinner. We all are. We all are, including myself. And then it's acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross for you, that he paid the price. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead, show his power over sin and over death. And as you receive what he did for you, you receive salvation, forgiveness, new life, hope, peace, all the things that we long for come in him by submitting to him. So if that's you, with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you'd say today, man, Ernest, I want to come home. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to recommit my life to Christ. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But if that's you, what I want you to do right now is I just want you to lift a hand. I want to know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. If you're watching at home, you can just simply text the word follow to number on the screen. I just want you to know if you just made that decision, maybe you made that decision without raising your hand, but you're like, man, God knows what's going on here, then God sees you. God knows your name, he knows your story, and he loves you deeply. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. And then God, for the rest of us, tell us what we're to do. For some of us, God, we're in an area where uh, we just need to resist the devil. Tell him no, in Jesus' name. Stand with the power that you've given us because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And we won't back down and we won't shrink, we won't run. We say no, in Jesus' name. Help us to wash our hands and purify our hearts. God, for some of us, we need to draw near to you. God, we need to take action in our relationship with you, God. We need to be with you, spend time with you, listen to you, hear from you, speak to you. And God, as we do these things, may we humble ourselves by your power, by your strength that dwells in us. May you give us the ability to humble ourselves, and in your perfect timing, in your perfect way, may you lift us up. So that when the world sees us, sees the church, it doesn't see a bunch of quarreling people, a bunch of fighting people. It sees a different way to live, a way that they long for, a way that leads to peace and life and hope. So humble us, Lord. May we humble ourselves in Jesus' name.